When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Aaron. Before we head into Sif Pop, uh, we try to keep it pretty clean on the Sif Pop podcast. But in speaking about Red Sparrow, we do go into some things that probably wouldn't be appropriate for children. Wanted to let you know that ahead of time in case you've got any kids around, uh, just so we can give you a heads up. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that after Black Swan and Red Sparrow isn't sure it's ready for the third movie in the Colorbird trilogy, it's Sif Those movies kind of go together in more ways than you would think. Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Spreaker every Saturday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks! Patrons get those perks! I'm Aaron Dicer. Was that a bird? Yeah. It was nicely done. I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. He's Andrew Ormsby from Flick Freaks. Ahoy! And every week we get together to chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. How you doing, man? Doing good. Uh, thank you for recording this a day late. I was yeah. feeling a little under the weather. We do what we can. Yeah. It's that season, man. Yeah. yeah. I've had co-hosts going down all over the place. Really dropping like flies? Yeah. Mm. Flu and just, you know, general sniffliness. It's been weird, too, because this is the time of year when we don't know if we're if we're supposed to open our windows at night and just, you know, turn off the heat. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like it's so nice during the day yeah. that with the windows, it warms up the house and it's like we don't need the heat on. But then I don't necessarily want the heat on kicking on at night either. So it's weird. It's just a weird time. Well, last night I woke up like because I had the windows open and yeah. I woke up at like three thirty and I'm like, nope, gotta close those. Because <laughs> yeah, it was kind of that way for me. Except for I'm not in con- I'm not in control of our environment, uh, our sleeping environment. I leave that up to my wife. That's a gift to her. She gets to you know kind of be in control of how it is. So I just kind of bundle. I actually put my hoodie on sometimes and wow. sleep in my hoodie. You know, you so she can have a nice cool room. Uh, whatever the case, we're glad you've joined us here for the Sif Pop. The, we're recording this Oscar Sunday, mm-hmm. um, about what five hours, six hours, round six hours before the. Are you talking about how long the Oscars last? Or... <laughs> no, yeah. no, about six hours before they start. Um, yeah. So all that will already be decided by the time that you hear this. We'll have had the Sif Pop Oscar party. We'll have, you know, we'll know who is who's won. All that kind of stuff. But I just have to say, it's been awesome seeing people get their picks in so mm-hmm. uh as we sit right now with a couple of hours before the deadline because i extended the deadline um there's like 115 people that's amazing yeah it's a lot of fun as the reigning champ are you worried about you know retaining your title you keep saying i'm the right re- what did i really win yes. i tied didn't i that's still winning okay all right <laughs> i you- couldn't remember if it's two been a people long time. finish at the exact same time in the Olympics, don't they both get gold? I don't know. Yeah, they, I think they try to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, I bet they do. I bet do they, they do like rock paper scissors or something. Yes, afterwards. exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, that makes the most sense. Yeah, um, yeah. I this year I actually have a tiebreak question. Yeah, about I saw the that. length of the awards. So, so hopefully that'll help in case there's any ties. Because with 24 awards and 115 people, I'm guessing they're 
several ballots that are sim- the same. So now, it was 115 gurus or 150 no, total? 115 total people in the contest. Okay, uh, at least a dozen or so gurus. Because um, I was thinking, I don't think we have that many gurus. I just no, <laughs> I don't think we do. But you know, uh, Jeremy from CinemaSins is in there. Chris from CinemaSins is in there. Barrett Music Video Sins is in there. Harloff, uh, Christian Harloff is in there. Uh, Jonathan Paula from Jogwheel is in there. So. Yeah. Um, lots of great stuff. A lot of our gurus joining in and, and hanging out and having a good time. So you can compete against us uh, if you're in there or getting in there at some point today. I'm excited to see who wins. Any final predictions? People will know if you're right or wrong when they listen to this. Um, I think for a lot of the technical stuff, I was surprised that I put Blade Runner down as much as I did because I think that uh, Dunkirk is going to you know end up getting some of those, but... At the same time, I had to pick with who I think should win. Yeah, I think it's it, it's going to be interesting because Baby Driver had a shot at some of those sound editing and sound yeah. stuff. But I think Blade Runner may take those too. Yeah. Um, or Dunkirk. All three of those those movies in the sound department. So it could be very interesting. And I think Shape of Water is going to win Best Picture. I, I have never rooted so hard for something as I am rooting for Get Out to win Best Picture tonight. It is, that would I am, be really cool. I am so... I, even though like Lady Bird is like I think a better film than Get Out overall, and that's just a personal you know yeah. And, and there's my I mean just minor ways, right? Yeah. I'm really rooting for Get Out. I think it's it's the movie I want to win the most, and probably also because it's the most likely to have an upset. You know, Lady Bird's not likely to upset, yeah. but Get Out I think is. So are you thinking like a top contender like two win is Shape of Water, but you want Get Out to win? Is that what you're saying? I think it's a three horse race at this point. Like mm-hmm. there are three possible worlds or universes. One is where Shape of Water wins, like it's won everything else. Yeah. The other is where three billboards shocks everybody and wins, and the other is where Get Out uh, has its you know glory moment. Now I did put Get Out for uh, screenplay, Jordan Peele. I think it's going to happen. I do too. Yeah. Yeah, and there's there's a slight chance he beats out Guillermo del Toro for best director. Oh man, I think you might be pushing it. There. I am. I'm definitely pushing it there. You're pushing it there. <laughs> I'm definitely pushing it hard there. Uh, all right, let's get into the episode. Uh, prep us some. Uh, do we care? Every single week, I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world. I pick three topics for us to discuss. And we must decide whether or not we care about them or not. Number one, Robert Downey Jr. took to Twitter and demanded that Infinity War be released one week early and Marvel (laughs) caved. Now, it was a really cool marketing ploy, you know, to move... What? Marketing ploy? What? I know. No, so uh, Infinity War got moved up to April 27th, one week ahead of itself. I think that was to give Solo a more, like, lean, you know, because it's got to give, you know... Because both Disney properties, they want to have Infinity War have its run, and then then people can just go to Solo afterwards. Well, it makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways. When, when they did this, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes complete sense. Uh, number one, that first weekend of May doesn't mean as much as it used to as far as like kids being out of school, and that's why movies really... like yeah. Black Panther has shown us you can release a movie in the middle of February, and it can be one of the... It's already, Black Panther, by the way, today broke into the top ten movies of all time. Really? Top ten money-making movies ever in 17 days and it hasn't released in china yet so it's worldwide uh is going to be huge i think it's going to be wait Avengers. so it's top 10 domestic or top 10 worldwide top 10 domestic okay and then the worldwide is going to blow up after i think it releases in china but it's incredible what it's done and so what i think marvel's learning is the calendar's different 
you know, we can move on the calendar, all that kind of stuff. And the second thing is it allows them to own the year, right? Because Black Panther is going to be owning theaters until for a Infinity long War. time until Infinity War. And they're like, you know, if we move it up a little bit, that space is out, like you said, for Solo. Mm-hmm. We can just kind of own own the Cineplex. Now, here's a question. Do you count Black Panther as a sequel considering that he's been in other Marvel properties before? Um, well, I count Black Panther's expanded universe. Because what I'm thinking is, if, if you're not counting it as a sequel of any kind, then how many uh, movies in the top ten domestic of all time are sequels? You know, because a lot of them are. Yeah, the biggest ones aren't. You know, like Titanic isn't, Avatar isn't. Um, but you know, the Star but you Wars, look like Star Wars, Jurassic World. You know, yeah, yeah. a lot of them are. Yeah, so um, it will. I still, I called it last week. I still think it's true. I think it's going to beat Avengers. I think it'll be the the most money ever made by a superhero movie. Period. Uh, I think it'll you think be. It's going to get more than Age of Ultron. Oh yeah. Well, the original Avengers had more than Age of Ultron. I don't think so. Oh yeah. Are you sure? Uh, yeah. I'm going to have to look that up because I'm pretty sure. I just that looked he... at this stuff yesterday, so okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure. All right. I mean, brains are brains and they do weird things. I might but... be thinking global instead of domestic. Could be. So. Could Anywho, be. yeah, so um, we care about it getting moved up. It makes a lot of sense. It does. It makes a ton of sense. What do you got next? Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt join uh, Quentin Tarantino for his ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. A- I heard that. I love that title because, you know, it's an homage to Sergio Leone with his Once Upon a Time in the West, Once mm-hmm. Upon a Time in, is it New York? or uh, Something uh, like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, but, you know, it's about the Manson family murders. Kind of. It's about the neighbor. Right. That's what I, I heard. It was it was dealing with, um, oh, what's her name? Who is the neighbor to Ch- uh, Charles Manson? Yeah. And kind of how that whole thing went around them mm-hmm. um yeah you got leo you got brad is this it the first be time they've ever been in a movie together that is a question i would have to google yeah i, I don't know where i can't think of one right off the top of my head mm-hmm. um it would surprise me if they hadn't been in a movie together but then again it just sometimes people miss each other yeah so there's got to be one like one of those big cast movies somewhere where they were yeah. both in it like a true romance where every single person that's ever been an A-lister was in that movie, you know? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. But uh, um, at the same time, they've both been in Tarantino movies before. So. What was Brad Pitt? What Tarantino movie was Brad Pitt in? Inglorious Bastards. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally forgot about that. Yeah. And Leo wasn't in that. No, he was not. Uh, he was in Django. And several others. Was he? <laughs> wasn't he? What other Tarantino movies was Leonardo DiCaprio? I don't DiCaprio know. In? I am not the Tarantino guy. Yeah, like I'm I was the like, wrong person. I thought I thought Leo was like a Tarantino staple. No, that's you're thinking of uh, Scorsese, Leonardo. Oh, that's you're no, you're absolutely right. Scorsese and DiCaprio is what I was thinking. Yeah, of. they're yeah, like yeah, yeah. they're like, like buddies said, at the hip. Brains do brain things. Um. <laughs> so, what else you got? Give me a second. Uh, <laughs> this one is just. Weird and kind of cool at the same time. Kristen Wiig, we all love her, right? Yeah. Wonder Woman, we all love that movie, right? Yeah. How would you feel about Kristen Wiig playing Diana's arch nemesis, Cheetah? I've been seeing this. Uh, I feel great about it. I am always going to feel great about a comic actress or actor playing a, a serious role. I, yeah. I will never doubt it. I, it's just it's happened way too many times perfectly yeah. for me to doubt it. I mean, there may be those examples of you know when a comedian has failed at a dramatic role, 
but there are way more examples of great comedians who absolutely hit it out of the park when they're given that chance. So, yeah. and she's already like, um, what was the one she did uh, with um, the other guy from from SNL? I thought they did great in. Um, they played brother and sister. Do you remember that one? Oh, Bill Hader, Skeleton. Yeah, Skeleton Twins. Yeah. She was great in Skeleton Twins, and it was a more serious, dramatic role. Yeah. You know, it could be very interesting to see her in a superhero movie as a villain. I don't feel like she's going to be, like, chewing up scenery, like, uh, was it Elizabeth Banks in Power Rangers, or... Krispy Kreme! <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't... I I feel like that would be a mistake, but I, yeah. I feel like she can, she can really find the tone. I would be surprised if she didn't. Yeah. So, I'm excited about it. That's going to wrap it up for Do We Care? I'm going to add a little bonus Do We Care. Okay. Did you hear about the movie pass? stuff that happened recently oh my gosh i have movie pass story for you personally yeah like go, for pers- it, go for it so i got an email from movie pass and they're like sign up now for 7.95 a month and i'm yeah. like you know what i'll sign up for 7.95 a month check my bank statement i got charged 105 dollars yeah because it's you have to do a full year it is in the smallest oh, fine man. print. I'm sorry. And it was, you know, white background and then light, light gray. Like, I'm going to show this to you here because I saved the email because it made me so that mad. Fine print. That's silly fine print. Okay, yeah. Okay, look at this. Enjoy seven ninety five a month. And then right here, do you see that? Uh-huh. 105 a month for an annual payment. Yeah. So I was freaking out because I literally had $4 in my bank account. I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) Luckily, I got my paycheck because I'm like, yes, eight bucks, you know, I'll sign up for it. Well, we thought it was worth it. We that's actually when we signed up, uh, my wife and I, when it was a like few three months bucks ago. A month or something. No, it wasn't. Th- it was. I think it was. It was six ninety five, maybe. Yeah. Um, it was ridiculous. Whatever it was, and we're like, you know what? We'll go ahead and invest for a year, and then we don't have to, you know, worry about it for a year. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it's an incredible deal. But the movie pass news that just happened was that they are blacking out Red Sparrow, the ability to buy Red Sparrow tickets in certain markets. And the conjecture is that what they're doing is they're testing their ability to affect box office gross. So because there are so many people who use MoviePass, they're promoting Death Wish, like Death Wish paid a promotional fee or whatever. And and so they're send, sending stuff to their MoviePass people like, hey, go see this movie. And then they're blocking out Red Sparrow in certain markets uh, from MoviePass. And I think the conjecture is the idea is a MoviePass person goes and is like, oh, I can't even go to Red Sparrow. I'll, I'll go to Death Wish. I remember, you know, something about that. Isn't Doesn't that go against, like, what the license that we signed whenever we signed up that we no. go to any movie? No. they. I mean, if you read their terms and conditions, people have said this all along. Their terms and conditions basically give them the right to do whatever they want. Um, so, no, it doesn't go against the terms and conditions of what they've said. However, it is becoming more and more clear to me that they are a cutthroat company. Like, they are, I don't know what their end game completely is, except possibly to own the movie-going experience and to be the Netflix of movie-going. And that in the future, everybody will just have movie pass, and that's, you know, that's how people will be able to go see movies. Well, at the same time, I hear that Netflix is looking into two weeks after a theatrical release, you pay a premium on your account. Like, people are paying, what, ten ninety nine right now for Netflix? Uh-huh. I think they're... If you sign up for twenty ninety nine, like this is just all conjecture, like the stuff that they're thinking about. If you pay like twenty bucks a month, 
two weeks after a movie's released in theaters, you will get it on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they'd have to work out all the, the licensing deals with all the studios and everything yeah. to be able to do that. But, but if you want to contend with this whole movie pass thing, that'd be a way to do it. I, I got to tell you, I, I've already, you know, I've already uh, made my money back on movie pass. Like, it's not, I'm not worried necessarily yeah. uh, that they're, like, they're going to go away or whatever, but... Um, I still have to get my card. Yeah, I just, it's one of those things where... I, I, it's, I, I don't, I, I know how I feel about it. I feel like it's dirty pool, you know, like I feel like yeah. it's there, it's kind of messed up what they're doing, but, um, it'll be, it's just going to be an interesting world to see what happens with that company. Yeah. Cause uh, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just strange to be able to black something out, you know, mm-hmm. like, no, nah, you guys can't go see this. Here's the thing. Are they going to annoy their customers so much that their customers are like, I'm out, I'm done. If you're going to play this game and use me as like, I think collateral, I'm I think gone. that would happen. I really do think that'll happen. I don't know. You know, you just feel like you're getting such a good deal. You almost put up with a little, you know. I think in today's society where everybody's my way or the highway, I want to go see a movie and I want to see it now. And and there's a company that says you can't. People are like, forget that company. Yeah. I really think they better be careful. Yeah. I mean, if that had been a nationwide thing, the uproar would have been crazy. But I think because they just did it in certain markets. Yeah. I think it probably, you know, there was a, a slighter uproar, but I found that interesting enough that I wanted to mention it to you and kind of see, get your take on it. Cause that's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's going to be fascinating. I will tell I'm you this. I'm so excited. I will tell you this right now. If they do roll that out globally, as soon as I get my like 10, what, as soon as my annual, I won't renew. Yeah. I really won't. Yeah. Cause I'm not going to play into that. Fascinating new world. Fascinating new world. Yeah, that's going to wrap it up. All right. You ready to talk some Ritz Sparrow? Let's make it happen, Captain. Let's do it. From this day forward, you will become sparrows. Weapons in a global struggle for power. You'll be trained in psychological manipulation. You must learn to push yourself beyond all limitation. Take off your clothes. When we are finished with you, the person you were will no longer exist. Prima ballerina Dominika Egorova faces a bleak and uncertain future after she suffers an injury that ends her career. She soon turns to Sparrow School, a secret intelligence service that trains exceptional young people to use their minds and bodies as weapons. It's Red Sparrow. Uh, let's just kick it off with, did you like it, love it, didn't like it, hated it, or it was just okay? Hated it. <laughs> Deep in the hated it? Hard to hate it worse? Uh, Yeah. I really did hate it. This movie made. I, I, I'm gonna. What did you think of it first? Didn't like it. You didn't like it. Yeah. This movie made me feel so dirty and gross watching yeah. it. I wanted to leave the theater. Yeah. Like I really wanted to leave them. I don't. Absolutely. Wanna, I didn't want to watch this. I just feel gross for watching it. Yeah. It's. I mean. I guess we can start there and just. I mean. Huge warning. It is uh, about as exploitative as a movie as I've ever seen. Yeah. Um. And I think that's intentional. Like I think that's what they're going for. Yeah. Um. But it, it certainly seems to push it in a lot of ways. Here, here's here's how I feel about it. So movies are supposed to make you feel, you know, certain emotions. That's what mm-hmm. they're supposed to do. Yes. Whether it be excited, happy, funny. And I think and that's what they're trying movie, to do. Yeah. Disgusted. You're supposed to feel disgusted at this. But at the same time, you're not supposed to linger in that kind of a feeling so long. You don't want to. You don't want to. Because there has to be some sort of redemptive quality to the movie. I mean, you're talking mostly about the like the sexual stuff. Yeah, like I feel you know you feel a little perverted watching it. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm I paid to watch this, and <laughs> like I feel weird watching it because there's people all around me, and I know they feel weird about it too. Yeah, and and uh, and I will clear 
uh, I will say as well, it's not as if it's um, you know by by the standard definition pornography. Like it's, it's pretty close. But but what I'm saying is it's it's not you know. Um, it's not something that's explicitly hardcore in that way. There, in fact, I could tell you several movies that I've seen just as a movie critic that are more explicit sexually than this movie is. Yeah, but it's it's the tone. But it's the tone. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's that it it wants it is purposefully taking you there in a very dirty way. Like yeah. it's you know because it is about the use of sexuality and the use of uh, that part of humanity to do spy work. Um, yeah. You know so. Yeah, and they basically call, I think, and this is their words, not mine, but they call the Sparrow School the Horse School. Horse School, yeah. Yeah, you know, so you, you kind of get an idea of what that is all about. So that, yeah. right off the bat, I think, is a fair warning. And I agree with you. There is an ickiness there. And, and I'll be honest with you, I feel that same sort of ickiness, and we mentioned Tarantino, with the way he uses violence sometimes. Yeah. You know, there's a tone to it. It's not just that it's, you know, explicitly violent. There's just a tone that revels in it in a, in a weird way that, that gets to me. I think that playing devil's devil's advocate here for Tarantino. I think his No, that's is, fine. And I know most most people would. I so think go he, ahead. he's going for a more comedic tone with his violence as opposed to, you know, just trying to be overly grotesque. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But uh Well then let's I, say I, let's I say let's say the Saw movies, you know, is another there example. There you go. Of, that's just of that kind of thing. That's just torture porn. Yeah. yeah. And, and this, this gets it, close. It borders on it, doesn't this it? This gets close. Yeah. So I think that's a fair first point to bring up. And and it's a worthy reason, you know, to feel grossed out and want to leave and all those kind of things. Do you think this movie's supposed to make you think, wow, these actors and actresses are so brave for taking on these roles, when at the same time I can't go, well, you knew what you were getting into, and you know, if you... No, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's an element of bravery here. You'll hear that with, I actually kind of not fight, but, you know, press against that idea of, you know, a person being brave for doing those kind of things, because it is, it's, it's part of you know, the the thing you know going into it and in what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I wouldn't I don't think they're pushing for that here. I think they're trying to tell a story and trying to tell it with a very distinct tone and then just, you know, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Do you have any pros? I don't. You honestly, don't have a single pro? I can't because th- honestly every single time I try to think of a pro, I just go back like uh like the acting is okay. Like yeah, I would go to the acting. It's I, serviceable. I it is very difficult for somebody who you know how they talk to pull off an accent, and I think uh, she pulls off that Russian accent fairly well. Um, the only I, there were occasions where I was like, oh, maybe that's not quite right, but it, I think it's because I know Jennifer Lawrence. I know the way she actually speaks. Yeah. Uh, I think if she were an unknown and I didn't know her, I wouldn't have even thought about it twice. I'd have thought she was a Russian actress. So I think that's. Yeah. So I think she she does fairly well with the accent. I think she does good with the performance. I think Joel Edgerton is really good in this. Here's the thing with Joel Edgerton for me. I think he he does his acting is good. I don't think he's I think he was miscast because you're okay. supposed to think that he's this and I'm not saying that he's not a handsome guy. He is a handsome guy, but you're supposed to think that he's this, you know, womanizer like an American Bond, you know, because she falls for him even though she went to this school and I'm like, uh, he's He's just a guy. Yeah, there are some other pros. There are some other pros that probably would be better talked about in spoilers. So maybe we'll do at least a brief spoiler episode on this um, okay. afterwards, um, because there are a couple things with the plot that I think are genuinely smart and interesting, and in a different toned movie could have been. You didn't find anything predictable about this movie. I no, I didn't at all. Wow. No, I, I don't think this movie is predictable. I called it. 
Yeah. I called like well, from beginning again, to end this movie. I have a response to that, but I, I don't want to do it till spoilers. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we can talk about the predictability. I mean, I think I get what you're saying about it being quote unquote Key predictable. plot points I, I knew were coming sure. and I knew like. The I red, think the movie. I think the no mo- pun intended. I knew the red herrings that were. Coming, so. <laughs> I think this movie acquits itself. Um, acquits itself very well in the plot department. Like I think when you get to the end, everything about the plot and what it's trying the the places it's trying to get your brain to go is it isn't it. I think actually works very well. Um, but I'll explain that more more in spoilers. So I, I, th- I, I think I know what you're saying. I, I did enjoy that part of thinking about the plot. Um, I think the uh, I think the story itself could be interesting about a ballerina who's you know forced to become a spy and and those kind of things. So Just yeah, not no, in this vulgarity. Sense. I think it's shot very well. I think technically it's you know a, a decently done movie. I think like I I do okay. That'll be my pro. I think that okay. there are like set pieces in this like you know the golden you know the golds and the reds you know that services really well but then whenever you're dealing with like the soviet bleakness quote unquote you know Mm -hmm. like how cold and just how uncomfortable like that whole entire scenery looks it just that works really well to service that Mm -hmm. but yeah it just maybe it's just that part of the movie that i hate so much outweighs my my ability to see anything get good it. from it oh no, no no i totally get it i think that's fair that's and yeah. i think people have that reaction i i sat next to um uh, a couple of women who came to see it i'm, I'm guessing they're about 10 15 years older than i am mm-hmm. uh and they uh, at the end i heard the one ask the other well what did you like it she said actually i think i did like it so i know that there are people who are coming out of it not feeling that way yeah. that, you know uh, they don't necessarily see it that way, but um, but yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I, I could definitely feel that. It feels like it goes out of its way to be icky. I mean, yeah. there's there's there is. I, I want to be careful here. We you know we we try not to get too graphic on this podcast or anything like that. But there is rape in this movie. Uh, a couple instances of rape. Yeah. One one is almost treated as a good thing. Like one is. Maybe we can talk about that in spoilers. But there's a what I would call a rape scene in this movie. That is almost a positive, like plot movement, an empowering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. What, and, I know what you're talking about. And I, I was just like, ah, like it was just really icky to me. Yeah. So I definitely feel the same way, and and I know that has a large impact uh, yeah. on kind of how we feel. What about other negatives? Other you know cons other than just the whole tone thing? Um, I think that there were missed opportunities for certain characters to have more prominent roles whenever you have people of that caliber playing those characters. I'll just come out and say, like, Jeremy Irons, you know, he's a very well-known, and then you have... Kar- I liked that character, by the way. Oh, I did, too. Yeah, but uh, Kar- I can't... Kyron, Siren, however you say his name. Sure, sorry. sure. Uh, but, you know, another very well-respected actor. I just think that, you know, if you have those caliber of actors, use them, you mm-hmm. know? And I just think that they were, you know... Yeah, you've got Mary Louise Parker in there. Uh, you've got Charlotte Rampling in there. Like, yeah. this is a killer cast. And Jessica Lang, how do you say her name? The comedian? Um, I'm not sure who you're talking about. I'll just say I don't actually the drunk, see, drunk lady. I yeah. actually don't see a Jessica in the cast or, list, So, but I'm just looking at the sure. just the regular yeah. Jewel uh, or Google cast list. So, um, But yeah, I, I think there's great performances in there. 
Um, I, I think that you could say some are underused, but I think they're just kind of utilized as the story needs them. Uh, I will also say I liked the way this movie ended. Uh, aside from the ickiness of the overall feel of the movie, I liked kind of where it sent us off, mm-hmm. like on an overall kind of arc. Um, I did like that. It, it didn't feel like the end didn't feel depressing. Like I didn't feel like the end was as dark as you know a lot of what was going on inside. You the feel movie. like there was some redemption, yeah, for the characters. I think so. Yeah. I think so. So that's you know again a minor positive. Overall though, it's it's not a recommend. No. You know, no. even even though I feel like I maybe found more to like about it than you did. Yeah. I think that what you you know what you're saying about that overall warning I think is is definitely keep it from being a recommend for me too because I think for most people there's just not enough good there. Yeah. to go through that experience. Yeah. in that way. But yeah. Uh I just felt really bad watching that movie. <laughs> Have you ever had that experience before? Not that I can think of, not to this level. Cure for Wellness did that to me. Cure for Wellness uh, Cure for Wellness is gross. Like it's like it's icky in that same way. There's some stuff that happens at the end. The especially. end of this. Okay, that's the thing. It's all at the end. This is throughout the entire movie. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think maybe Clockwork Orange. You know, there's okay. a couple parts yep. of Clockwork Orange. Yep. Fair enough. For and not from like a you know sexual vulgarity sense, but there's parts. Even though I love the movie, I think it's one of the best movies ever. Um, uh, Requiem for a Dream. You know, there's sure. just parts of that movie you know that are just tough to watch. But uh, do you think part of it comes down with just sexuality is just a different thing than because in Requiem for a Dream, I mean, I guess there's sexuality in there, but it's it's more about the grossness of drug addiction yeah. and those kind of things, which I think are, you know, they're, I mean, it's almost valuable to see that kind of being portrayed as so disgusting yeah. and gross. So I think human violation in that sense is just difficult for anybody to watch, really. Yeah. And because I think as human beings, we just want to help people. <laughs> right. And since they're on a screen, we can't help them, and we're just watching. So we feel um, maybe like a guilty by associate. Sure. Yeah. So. And especially with the current place we are in our culture with, you know, Time's Up and yeah. Me Too. And, you know, to uh, to be able to separate exploitation from art is a very tricky thing. And it's a very interesting line to walk and yeah. i think this movie doesn't walk it very well um yeah. so i guess that's probably as good a place as any to kind of move on all right you ready to talk about best ever challenge make it happen let's talk about best ever sexually exploitative movies yes <laughs> let's do color since there's a color in the title let's do best yeah. ever movies with a color in the title all right, you want uh, to we'll, kick it off? We'll do our top three. We'll go three to number one, and then we'll do some honorable mentions. Um, I can if you want. Yeah. Uh, my number three is The Red Turtle. I haven't seen that one yet. You got to see The Red Turtle. I really want to, man. It's so good. I have it. I just haven't watched it yet. It's one of those movies that is just so unique. Yeah. And There's no dialogue in it, right? Very little. Yeah. Very little dialogue in the whole thing. It's beautiful. The story is poetic and interesting and it's metaphorical, you know. It's kind of been the year of the metaphorical movie in a lot of ways. <laughs> was that this year? Or was it last year? Uh, it was last year. Oh, okay, yeah. but I mean, just the past twelve months. I'm sure, kind of sure, sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely one that that appeals to me on that level. Yeah. Uh, but the story itself is beautiful too, beyond the metaphor of kind of what's going on. So highly recommended. Again, that's uh, the Red Turtle uh, animated. In case you don't know anything about it, mm-hmm. uh, animated film and is my number three. Very good. Have, gonna... Did you find that most movies that have a color in them have the color red? 
Isn't it interesting? Um, on my list, I found uh, one, two, three, three. Yeah, three of them. The rest of them are. When different. I was looking up color movies, oh, there's a bunch of red ones. So there's so many red movies. Literally, the movie Red in Red <laughs> Two. Red Two. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, but no, uh, I'm gonna go uh, with Black Hawk Down as nice my number three. choice. That was under my honorable mentions. Was it? Mm-hmm. Believe I was shocked because I watched it just the other day, and I was surprised how many famous people were in that before they were famous. Right? It is one of those movies. Yeah, you're like, wow, Orlando Bloom, Nicholas Coster Waldau from Game of Thrones. Yeah. You're in there. Yeah. Like you just watch the movie, and you're like how many famous people, and then you look at the date, and you're like, oh, they weren't famous yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It was like seeing, uh, last time I watched Catch Me If You Can, seeing Amy Adams in that little yeah, in tiny that, little role or whatever. That snippet, and yeah. then, uh, what was it, uh, Martin Sheen was also in there, the dad, wasn't Yeah, it? yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but man, that's a powerful movie. I, I'm a sucker for war dramas, you know, and just the the patriotic, you know, America, I want you to, you know, that whole powerful... Sure. Um, so those movies always get me, and this is a very good... Absolutely, definite recommend for Black Hawk Down. Uh, my number two mm-hmm. is I could maybe a cheat. Maybe I think it's a color. I even googled like, is this a color? I have one of those. It's Moulin Rouge. Okay, that's uh, it's in my honorable mention. Rouge is a color, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, well, good. Yeah, because <laughs> it's technically it's the red. It's windmill. a pinkish red. Yeah, it's the red windmill is what it means. I think. Okay. So uh, Moulin Rouge is my number two. Uh, I've said a lot about Moulin Rouge. I love Baz Luhrmann. I love his idea of he he was, if nobody else, early on in kind of my movie going experience, becoming mm-hmm. a movie critic, quote unquote, or whatever. He was the one that taught me about it's okay to be surreal. Like it's okay for a movie to be elevated in a way that doesn't look like the real world because it's art. We're telling a story. Now, if it if the tone doesn't make sense, that's different. If it doesn't feel authentic, that's different. But what I love about Moulin Rouge is as elevated and as crazy as it is, it feels real. Like the emotions feel real. It feels authentic. The performances feel real. So yeah. that's what I love about that movie. It is my favorite musical. It oh, is. really? Yeah. I love the singing in that. I, yeah. I was really impressed with uh, Ewan McGregor and uh, oh, man, he's Nicole, such a good singer. Nicole Kidman, yeah. That rendition of Roxanne is yeah. like my favorite song out of any musical ever. Yeah. It's so, so good. good, and it's haunting. That's why I love it so much. Yeah. Uh, my number two. Do it. I'm going to go Black Swan. I got a lot of blacks, I'm realizing, in my top three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, be careful how you say that. Ah! <laughs> No, man, Black Swan is so good. It's so trippy. I was just talking about Aronofsky, you know, with uh, Requiem for a Dream. This is his best movie. Am I am I wrong that it's weird that Black Swan and Red Sparrow are both about ballerinas and both a color and a bird and yeah. both trippy and weird in some ways? And... Except this one's good. <laughs> this one's... one's very good. This movie was actually terrifying. Yeah. There were parts of this movie, like, towards the end when, like, her mental faculties like diminish so much where you don't know what's going mm-hmm. on. It gets terrifying. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes we all go to that, you know, like I have to be the best. I want to be the best. And it obviously you don't imagine yourself turning into a swan, but <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you don't. <laughs> oh, no. But yeah, uh, uh, it's so good. This no, is- that's a good choice. I did not have that on my list. I haven't been as big of a fan of uh, Black Swan. Actually, I'm not. The only other Aronofsky movie that I've really enjoyed, other than Mother, 
uh, enjoyed is a weird word when it comes to Aronofsky, but that I that I've uh, relished the experience mm-hmm. um, is the Fountain. That was uh, the other one, which I think is a lot like Annihilation. Actually, Fountain is very good. I think it's very underrated. Yeah, yeah. So those are my two Aronofsky films. But not that I think Black Swan is bad. No, I just yeah. didn't dig it as much as a lot of people do. I have Natalie Portman in that role in my top ten performances of all time. Whoa! Yeah. Dig it on the Black Swan. Yeah. Very nice. Well, I think we have the same number one. I'm per- pretty sure. Yeah. It's got to be the Green Mile, right? It's Green Mile. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, man. What we've talked em- about this one recently, too. But yeah. What an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> uh, the ending of this movie will make you cry so much. Yeah. It's so sad. The whole movie's sad. And Michael Clark Duncan, he brought a level that I never thought he could. Yeah. No, he's so good in it. Yeah. And, and then of course, it, Hanks. Hanks is just Hanks. Doing the Hanks. Yeah. He's great. Speaking of actors who were famous or who were in movies before they were famous, we got uh, uh, Sam Rockwell in this one. Oh, in Green Mile? Yeah. 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 You forget. Like, oh, yeah. he He's probably going to win an Oscar uh, tonight, too. I think that that is likely to happen. Yeah. It is, <laughs> it is the one that most everybody will get right but me because I picked in an upset Willem Dafoe. Oh, you think so? Huh? I, I, that's what I predicted. Um, I am not feeling good about that prediction, but I do my predictions like three months ago because <laughs> I want to do them because I see all the predictions come in and I don't want to be biased, uh, like, you know, be able to do mine based on what everybody else is doing. So I do mine first and I, yeah, I, that one's going to bite me. I'm going to miss that one. Woohoo. I'm going to win. <laughs> no, I probably pick some stuff that's going to You're going to be sitting there too. at the performance, at the awards night and they're going to be best sporting actor. Willem Dafoe! And I'm like, dang it. And then they're going to go, sorry, there was a mistake again. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Green Mile. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's absolutely number one. Uh, you want to do your honorable mentions first? You want to go back and forth? How do you want to do it? Um, I can, uh, yeah, let's go back and forth. All right, we can do that. Uh, I mentioned White Christmas. Um, absolutely fabulous. Beautiful movie. One of my favorites. Yep. Holiday classic. Good stuff. Nice. I'm going to go Goldeneye. Yeah, I've of my got favorite, that in there. One of my favorite Bond movies. Yeah, is it the best Pierce Bond? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. It's the only good Bond for Pierce. <laughs> it's the only good bras. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, I think is worth mentioning. Oh yeah, didn't think of that one. A uh, movie that I know you love, The Thin Red Line. No, I do not. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Malik. I just don't. <laughs> like I watched Tree of Li- Tree of Life is Malik too, right? Oh man, that's like the most Malik Malik has ever Maliked. I I just like I watched the whole thing. I will have you know, and it was torture. I do not understand that man in the way he makes movies. That he is my Twin Peaks of movies. Like I, everybody talks about how amazing he is, and I'm just like I don't I don't understand that it, movie it, was it, not interesting. It is the only Terrence Malik movie I think I like. Besides, wait, did, he, did he do Mulholland Drive? Um, no, that was Mulholland Drive. I hate that I don't know that. Um, because if it is, I really do like Mulholland Drive. Mulholland. How do you spell Mulholland? M O H O L U. I just gotta get close enough. Yeah, I was gonna say that's David Lynch. Oh yeah, but he's up there too, you know, because you know he's well, when he's Twin Peaks. Peaks. Yeah. <laughs> so so Malik and Lynch, they're right. They're buddies when it comes to making movies that nobody understands. <laughs> well, maybe not nobody, just not me. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah. What do you got? Uh, oh, it's my turn? Yeah. Let's go with The Gray. Yeah, that was on mine. I love The Gray. Yeah. It's kind of a cheat because it's technically 
Gray is a color. Well, yeah, but gray is G R A Y. Gray when it with an E. Yeah, oh, yeah. It means like a like an emotion almost, like yeah. you know. So, but I think it counts. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, what do I always say whenever I walk into the room? I don't know. K tip. <laughs> That's right. I'm gonna go with the Pink Panther. Nice. Love the Pink Panther. Uh, fried green tomatoes. Oh man, I didn't think of that one. I love that movie so much. Would it have made your three? No, it wouldn't have made my three. Right. Definitely an honorable mention, though. What do you got? Uh, I'm going to go... Well, we mentioned Clockwork Orange, so I'm going to skip that one. I'm going to go Red Dragon. Okay. I think it's a... I don't think that it gets the credit for being as good a movie as it is. I'm not saying it's great, but it's a good movie. I have not seen it. Really? Yeah. Um, I really like... I think Ray Fiennes is a very... It's Hannibal Lecter, right? Yeah, it's... The Silence it's, of the Lambs? It's prequel to Silence of okay. the Lambs. Okay. Yeah. So it takes place like in the beginning. Edward Norton's really good in it, and then of course you have Anthony Hopkins. I do like Norton. Yeah, yeah, it's really right. good. I may have to check it out next. Red Eye. I didn't like Red Eye. You didn't like it at all? Nah, I thought it was interesting. Okay, yeah. uh, movie that you stole from me last time that I had to do now. Pitch Black. Nice. Oh man, this movie's so good. Yeah, it's on my list as well. Yeah. Uh, White men can't jump. Yeah, that was on mine. That was actually the next one. Uh, Blues Brothers. See, I almost had Blues Brothers, and I was like, "But it's blues." blues but not then blue. we did. But within we did the gray, so you know. Yeah, but that's yeah. That's we'll count it. We'll go ahead and count it. Yeah, but it's like you know because blues some, is in you know the the musical sense. Yeah. At some point, I was like, I could do the Incredibles because the word red is in Incredibles, and it's like <laughs> I think okay, no. that's pushing it. That's yeah, pushing no, it. we're not counting those. Yeah. Predator. Uh, we'll do Predator. Yeah, Predator. <laughs> uh, uh, my turn or yours? Yours. Uh, we got to do Black Panther, even though it just came out, right? Yeah, easily. Uh, I'm going to go with Men in Black. Yep, another good choice on my list. Yep. I've got two left. What about you? Two left. Uh, White Squall. Don't know that one. You, you haven't seen White, White Squall? No. Um, interesting movie, fun movie. Uh, it's just kind of one of those real life stories about being on the ocean and being caught in a storm. It's kind of, it's kind of the perfect storm idea. I'm scared but, of the ocean. Well, there you go. There so you'll go. love it. Uh, I'm going to go, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. That's a good choice. I didn't have it on my list, but a good choice. Yeah. It's the only just, good, it's the only good Pirates movie. We're, we're finishing off with all the ocean ones. Yeah. Um, cause mine is the hunt for the red October. That's a good one, man. I really should remember that one. Uh, my final one is a very old movie, but I love it. The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, nice. I love that movie. Good call. Well, there you go. There are all the color movies that we could think of that we like. Uh, it, by the way, if you can think of more, we love it. Oh, they're out there. Trust yeah. me. T- tweet it to us. Let <laughs> us know what we miss. Um, if you can think of one that would be on my top three that I just forgot that I missed, I'll go ahead and give you a point. So uh, I'll send that way through. Send that your way through through Twitter. <laughs> um, if you want to uh, give us a best ever challenge, you're more than welcome to do that when you connect with us as well. So I encourage you to do that. Um, if we were doing TV shows, there were so many more. Uh, the Blacklist. Man, Blacklist is good. Right? Yeah. There's so, a lot out there. I bet it's it's a fun little thing to think about for sure. Yeah. 
Before we head on to the next thing, uh, just a reminder that this is a fan-funded podcast network, three bucks a month, and you can hear all the bonus episodes. Uh, a lot of people really like the Marvel episode that we did as a bonus ep- episode, ranking the Marvel movies from a lot uh, of fun. one to eighteen. So, if you're a patron, then you can check that out. It starts at three bucks a month. Uh, also, you get an ad-free version of the podcast. Uh, no ads at the beginning or end of the podcast there at Patreon, uh, Patreon because you get your own podcast feed. So you don't even have to go there to listen. You can go there to listen at Patreon, but you can also get it directly to your phone in the same way that you get Sif Pop right now, including the bonus episode. So if you're interested in that, there are other perks for the higher levels as well. You can check all those out at patreon.com slash studio DNA is the name of the podcast network. Patreon.com slash studio DNA. Moving on to the Sif Quest. Yeah. Um, something that you, a quest that you have sent us on, it can be a question, it can be a debate, anything you like, just hit us up on Twitter or email us, uh, either way. This one comes from Louis Vargas, uh, at Demetatron on Twitter. I like that. I do too. I like that. That's a nice Twitter handle. Says, um, having seen your top 100, which both Andrew and I recently updated on Letterboxd. Yep. Uh, having seen your top 100 got me wondering, what's the process you go through in making your lists? Is it emotional or how memorable? How many times you've seen it or the lasting impression it has by seeing it only a few times? Um, I thought this was a good question. An interesting way because I think yeah. we all do it maybe a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I make distinctions with my list. I guess I'll start here between favorites and best. Uh, when I'm doing stuff like the Critics' Choice Awards, those kind of things, I'm thinking of the best movies of the year. Yeah. When I'm doing my personal list, I'm thinking about my favorite movies. And I think I weigh the questions I ask a little bit differently in those two categories. I don't think people... Because I, I found this out. People really don't distinct that way. Like, if you think this is the best movie, like your favorite movie, then it's the best movie. And that's not always the case because right. a movie can be edited, directed, you know, so many different ways. And technically, it's a better movie. Just because you like another movie more doesn't right. mean that it was the best movie i mean I'm you can to, have that to think of an, i'm trying to think of an example of that like you can i mean we can ha- you can have that argument about objectivity versus subjectivity right yeah um i think we come from the place of understanding how subjective art is and how you know it is so personal to us mm-hmm. so for instance i can have uh you know a movie um i just did i just finished releasing my favorite movies of 2017 in anticipation of the oscars yeah coco was my favorite movie of the year do i think coco was the best movie made last year no, I actually don't. But it was my favorite. And so I think understanding the difference, you know, between that is is understanding that there is a little bit of objectivity in movies that allow you to think about what's best, but embracing the subjectivity that allows you to think what's your favorite. Because I think you can kind of look at it both ways. I think there is objective truth in movie making, but at the same time, you know, it's definitely so much subjective. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I found a good uh, example of this. So, um, where is... Okay, yeah, so... Wait, no, that's wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, So whenever it comes to me making lists, it's a culmination of all the things that they mentioned. It's memorabilia, it's how long it lasts, it's, uh, you know, just performances, how, you know, all those different things. Okay, here's a great example. Um, 2008, Best Picture winner, Slumdog Millionaire. Okay. I think it deserved to win Best Picture easily. Okay. It easily deserved to win Best Picture. Was it my favorite movie of that year? No, Dark Knight was. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, you, not, so you think Slum, Slumdog Millionaire is a better movie than Dark Knight? Yes. Okay. So I don't know that the, I would agree a, with from you. From a technical standpoint, I okay. think that... But when it now here's the thing, Slumdog Millionaire, not even in my top 100 movies of all time. The Dark Knight, I think, is close to my top 10. But it's just from a technical standpoint. Whenever you look at The Dark Knight, it is riding so hard on Heath Ledger being, you know, one of the best characters of right. all time. You know? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because you look at like Christian Bale, and Christian Bale is he's pretty good as Batman, but he talks so gravely, I can't understand what yeah. he's saying half the time. And Michael Kynes just you know doing his thing, um, but then you look at Slumdog Millionaire the way it's the way that um, Danny Boyle edits because he has a very unique stylization when yeah. it comes to his movies. The color, the vibrancy, the emotional roller coaster that movie takes you on is phenomenal. So from that standpoint, it's technically a better movie. Mm-hmm. But I love The Dark Knight so much more. I think for me, it comes down to asking a certain group of questions. And I think I ask the same questions about both kinds of lists. Mm-hmm. But I think I weight certain questions more of thinking of best and certain more thinking of favorites. So questions like, how well was this movie made? Mm-hmm. I weigh heavily when I'm thinking about the best movies of the year. Like, you know, how, like just all the technical details, the score, the acting, you know, all that stuff. Like, just how well was it made? Yeah. Um, when I'm asking questions like, how did that ma- movie make me feel? I Maybe I'm weighing that fairly heavily on the favorites, you know, side. If I'm asking the question, which movie would I choose to watch right now if I had a chance? Yeah. That's favorites. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Because there's just it's just a different question. If I'm asking which movie do I think should stand up over you know the years of time as a classic and be revered as great movie making, yeah, that's best. You know, exactly. so so it, it's just different questions. You have two movies in front of you, and oh, this is what all lists come down to. If you're ranking anything, basically you are putting it head to head with all the different things. That's right? Exactly how it goes. You're like, do I like this one more than this one? Yes. Okay. So you move it up to the right, next exactly. one. Right. Exactly. So you, you move ha- it up to the next one. So you have to know what what question you're asking. And for favorites, I primarily ask which movie do I want to watch right now more, and yeah. that's my favorite movie at this point. And those those things change. Get Out was a movie that I had at like a B plus when I saw it, and over the course of the year, it became one of my favorites, and you know landed on my list. I think at number seven overall. Um, so, you know, it's subjective, it changes, things shift and move and, um, but those, yeah. So I, I think it comes down to what questions are you asking yourself about how to choose between these two movies? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's, I think that's at the center of how I make my list. So, yeah. Does that make sense? Yo, I'm right there with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Uh, if you've got, uh, something, a way you make lists, uh, that you want to let us know about, We'd love to hear it. Uh, also, if you've got a Sift Quest, by the way, thanks, Louis, for that Sift Quest. That was a good one. That was awesome. And by the way, I apologize if it's Louis. I never know whether to go Louis Vargas or Louis Vargas, or yeah. so my apologies if I pronounce it wrong. Thanks, Lou. Yeah, there you go. Appreciate it. Uh, all right, Barry Treasure. Ready? Uh, yeah. Let's talk about that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want people to know about. Do you want a TV show, an app, or a movie? Uh, I'm always going to choose a movie. I'm always let's, most curious about a movie. Let's go with the app. So, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, let's, By the way, before we get into this, yeah. did you see Mute? Yeah. Okay. Didn't hate it. Okay. I wondered. Uh, it was, it was okay. I was, okay. I was let down because I had high expectations and high yeah. hopes for it because, you know, Duncan It's not great. Jones. It's not great, no. No. But it's... Uh, I, think I, I think I liked it less than you, but... Yeah. Uh, I, I, 
I don't think I liked it, but I thought it was okay. Yeah. It is okay. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. I just thought I'd ask. I thought I'd check in. Yeah. So it's an oldie, but I watched it the other day, and just from a technical standpoint, I think it's one of the most uh, insane movies to ever be made, and that's Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, nice. And it's not really buried. A lot of people know about that movie, but if you have not seen... Well, it's buried by time in some ways. Yeah. uh, It was 1988, and you think about that and how... Because I watched it the other day, I'm like, wow, this holds up, and it's astounding for the time this was done Mm. and immediately after watching it i'm like how did they make this movie i watched the making of the movie and it was so crazy how that movie was made they filmed the movie twice pretty much did you know this no so what they did is they had uh like a plastic toy versions like life-size toy versions of each character and then they would uh record the parts of the movie with them playing with the toys, like uh, Bob Hoskins, mm-hmm. like talking to Roger and stuff like that. And then uh, they sent them all the actors to mime school. So they learned how to mime and pretend things weren't there. They're like, you can't look over here where the character is and just think that they're there. You have mm-hmm. to, cause it'll, it'll look like you're just looking through them. Right. You have to make it believable that you're looking at them. Yeah. So, they, then they would have uh, filmed the whole movie without the puppets and, you know, where they're just miming to them. And they it's so crazy how that movie was made. And also the fact that you have Warner Brothers characters, Disney characters, yeah. and a culmination of so many other animated characters in one movie. You know, it's a good one to rewatch with Ready Player One coming out. You know, the idea of all those different IPs coming together. Both Spielberg, even though Spielberg produced Roger Rabbit. It yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see all that. Of course, you know, we talk about all of these IPs coming together. I mean, basically, Disney's going to own them all someday anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, that's just how it's going to go. <laughs> so that's just how it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with old school movie as well. Oh, yeah? I'm going back to 1946. <laughs> Woo! Uh, I watched uh, Notorious, Alfred Hitchcock's Notorious, again this week. And I just have to say, I know I talk about Hitchcock a lot, but this is one that I don't know that it's a, at you know the top of a lot of people's lists. Uh, first of all, it's older. You know, a lot of the ones that people want to watch are in the 60s, like Vertigo and Rear Window and, you know, Psycho and those. Um, but uh, but Notorious is a little bit older. Cary Grant, so good in it. Uh, so wonderful. Um, and it is just this beautiful and interesting spy love story. And I think part of the reason I went back to it is seeing a spy movie, you know, this bad. Yeah. <laughs> You had to, like, there are good ones out there. I know yeah. there are. I was like, okay, do I watch Atomic Blonde or do I watch Notorious? So, like, either either one will kind of, you know, wash this out of my system Atomic a little bit. Atomic Blonde is a good example of a sexualized character done right. Yeah. Because it was... The tone impe- is so different. Yeah, yeah. It was very, you know... Well, it was empowering. It was... Imp- that's literally the word. It was, yeah. It's empowering. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, this not so much. Uh, n- not a lot of that sexual tone here in Notorious. Although it's interesting in these old movies how you can feel the sensuality of them, even you know without the explicitness. Uh, and that is definitely true with uh, with I think it's uh, Ingrid Bergman uh, that's in this uh, with Cary yeah. Grant. So you can feel that chemistry with them. It's beautiful, of course, Hitchcockian story and twists and interesting turns mm-hmm. in the story. So if if you're going next level H- Hitchcock. Get yourself some Notorious okay, and check it out. Uh, speaking of seeing things differently now, um, seeing Who Framed Roger Rabbit as an adult 
made me realize how different that movie is than when I watched it as a kid. <laughs> Did you catch some things? I caught some stuff. <laughs> that you might have missed? Yeah. Um, not ashamed to say it, Jessica Rabbit was my first crush when I was a kid. <laughs> how could she not be? Yeah. Uh, I don't know who my first crush was. Probably, really? Probably had to be one of those girls on one of the sitcoms that I watched. It probably had to be like Alyssa Milano or mm, okay. or something like that. Um, Topanga. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you thinking I'm that young. Um, you no, know, I go a little bit before that. Wasn't Donna Reed? <laughs> I don't go back that far. <laughs> Annette Funicello. Betty White. <laughs> yes, exactly. My first crush was Betty White. There you go. Yeah. We did it, man. We did a podcast. Woo! Yes, casting of the pods has commenced. Nice. It was a good one. Even though we just destroyed a movie. It was fun. Yeah, some movies deserve being, you know, destroyed a little bit. Some people just want to just gotta know. burn. You just gotta know. Yep. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following us at Spreaker, either in the Spreaker app or at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. It's a good way to listen. Uh, it's a good way to leave comments. All that fun stuff right there. Huge thanks to Andrew for dropping by again today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for accommodating my schedule. Uh, you want to point people somewhere? Head over to my Twitter. You can find me at, at Flick Freaks. Uh, talk about some random stuff. Yeah. Um, I would point you for my stuff. Uh, hit up my YouTube. Give, uh, subscribe. I just crossed uh, 2,400 subscribers. So thank you for those who are coming on board and uh, seeing some some of my reviews kind of get up in the thousands of views. So thank you for that. It's much appreciated. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, I do movie reviews over there and just released, like I said, my f- annual top 40, favorite 41. Uh, I do that in four videos in a sequential four video system. So you can check that out uh, on YouTube. Just search for Aaron Dicer or your movie friend. Either way should get you to the right place. So I appreciate you doing that. Much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible. Support starts at three bucks a month comes with some pretty fun perks you can find out more at patreon.com slash studio dna lots of ways to connect with the podcast uh you can leave comments at spreaker or you can email us feedback at sifpop.com so if you got a sift quest or any kind of comments that you want to make about the episode feel free to hit us up that way and finally if you're having a good time make sure your movie loving friends know about the podcast let them know about it and that listening is much easier than recovering from a lower leg double compound fracture Spoiler chat for next week's movie should be next up in your pod. Spoiler chat for this week's movie. We're not going to jump ahead in time. Yeah. Spoiler chat. Well, for- it is a wrinkle in time next <laughs> week, right. so yeah. You never know. Spoiler chat for this week's movie should be up next in your podcast feed, and we will see you back next week to talk about that wrinkle in time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.